I probably wouldn't have been bold to do that if I wasn't trained because I knew it was a perfect moment. So I think it's a great tool that helps you to be effective and not afraid in moments of opportunity. Yeah, effective but not afraid because our confidence is in the Lord and in the, in his word. And the truth of His Word. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we have the opportunity to speak with Mrs. Jocelyn Wallace, and Jocelyn is a, a leader in our women's ministries. And you know, I was thinking, Jocelyn, before this podcast, that as a pastor, I've had the privilege of being here for 34 years, and in a lot of ways, my story mirrors what the psalmist said in Psalm 16, that my lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have so many reasons to be thankful as a pastor, and one of them is the godly women that the Lord has raised up in our church family, who carry such a significant load of ministry and do it with such grace, with such compassion, in ways that's making a dramatic difference in our church family, making a dramatic difference in this community, even beyond our community. And I just stand in awe. You just see Jesus working in and through the lives of uh, men in this church and women in this church. And I'm so glad that God in his sovereignty brought you and your family here. And I'm just really excited for our listeners to hear more about your story. Jocelyn was used to help us found Vision of Hope, which is a residential treatment program for young girls, generally speaking ages 14 to 28, who are struggling with unplanned pregnancies and drug abuse, alcohol abuse, eating disorders, and self-harm. And our church about 15 years ago received just a miraculous gift from a foundation that allowed us to start that ministry when we were looking as a board, a newly founded board, for someone to lead the ministry and help us launch it. Jocelyn was the one that we asked, and Jocelyn, you did such a great job in being used of the Lord in that way. And then after a period of time, stepped aside in order to focus on homeschooling your children and done such a, a great job in that way as well. And now serving in a leadership role in a number of our women's ministries in a way that is making just an incredible redemptive difference. And, and I, I wonder if some people might look at you or others like you and say, but, you know, I bet Jocelyn just had a perfect past. <laughs> I bet everything in her life had just always been easy, and it's come so natural for her. And that's certainly not the case. You were a, a missionary 
child in the country of Haiti, which has been a war-torn place as long as I've known about it. So as a result of political unrest, actually had to return with your family in your early teen years to the States and tried to assimilate back into American culture. And then your mom and dad had to receive some intensive biblical counseling. And so your situation has had its share of challenges for sure. And I think what I believe would be especially helpful for our listeners to understand is how did you avoid not becoming bitter as a result of all of that? Or how did you avoid not just being sucked into all the worldliness that you saw when you came back to the United States? But how did our sovereign God, how did our powerful Savior take a person like you who was in a number of difficult situations and help you become the picture of Christ that you are today and that you're continuing to become. And so I think it might help our listeners first, if you would just go back a bit and tell us what was it like to be growing up in a missionary family in Haiti? Well, as a little kid who had only ever lived there, it was all we knew. Like, And we loved it. It was such a cool place to live. Right across from the ocean, we went swimming literally every day. It was a very simple life. Our life revolved around our family and my parents' ministry. So my parents were involved in church planting and training young pastors, and my mom was involved in medical missions. So a lot of our life just... That was our normal life, was living in a ministry family. As a grown-up now, looking back... As with kids, I never knew how dangerous it was until I was a grown-up, but it was a very dangerous situation. It was politically dangerous, just we had no electricity or transportation sometimes. We were in the middle of the bush, isolated from most other Americans. So it was, uh, we loved it at the time, but knowing now, it was very dangerous, but it was life. We were involved in a life that was just immersed in taking God's word and doing stuff with it. We didn't really understand how to love the Lord as much as just be smart about the Bible and teach other people smart things about God. So in a ministry family, as a kid, I loved it. It was pretty hard to assimilate to coming back to the United States when it got too unsafe for us to live there anymore. And that was a challenge in itself, learning how to be an American when I didn't feel like an American, and this country was pretty foreign to me and really not understandable to any of us. Like, Americans were concerned about things that I could not comprehend when we had just been, you know, trying to stay alive in a country that was very dangerous. That's interesting because, you know, I've had the privilege of being in Haiti, and it was, humanly speaking, it was a very sad experience to see the poverty, to see the what I think could reasonably be called governmental dysfunction, Mm -hmm. to talk to the missionaries who were there and to see the heartache and the challenge. But what you're saying is you were so small that you were living in that, but really didn't understand it. It felt like paradise to us. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about Haiti as paradise, that's a very fascinating way. So the challenges for you really came more when your family returned. Well, they came in Haiti as I grew up when it became much more dangerous to be a white girl in that environment. There's a lot of sexual assault that happens on a regular basis, and it happened to us. So that was hard to understand as a kid. I didn't know what was going on. And then as I got older, I realized, oh, that's what that was. But right, the difficulty came when we left Haiti and had to become American 
and so assimilate to a country that had very different values than what we had been around growing up and very less focused on life and death situations. Like there's so much more to think about here. And in Haiti, people are very simple and God is very important in their life. He's the crux of their existence and whether they exist depends on him. And so coming to America where Jesus is not even an afterthought, he's just nothing and learning how to function in that environment. And then I went through high school started my freshman year of college, and some, you know, underlying life problems that had been there for years and years, decades, just started bubbling to the surface, and it just became apparent that our family needed to get some help if we were going to continue existing as a family. And so we were able to find that help? Well, we were. I had never, ever heard of biblical counseling before, ever, until my parents got sent here for biblical counseling. I just knew I never, ever in my whole life wanted to live in Indiana. I had heard terrible things about Indiana. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> like you the... liked Haiti, but you didn't like Indiana. We had a missionary kid that was from <laughs> Terre Haute, <laughs> and he told us horrible stories about Terre Haute. So anyways, it was the one place I never, ever wanted to come. So my parents actually were assigned to come here and to get training and to get help. And so we learned about this church and the biblical counseling movement in general when they were sent here to get help. So my parents came here. Initially, I didn't come with them because I was not going to move to Indiana. And they started receiving some help from Doc Smith, actually, who was assigned to them. And I started seeing differences in them that were really interesting and appealing. And the situation before we came was very challenging. And so to see the changes that they were making made me interested, like, oh, maybe I'll check out Indiana (laughs) if if it comes with this kind of helpful package. So I started seeing things in them that... I was intrigued about. I was still young. I was still just my freshman year of college, just after that. So I moved out here, started coming to church at Faith and just observing their life. But I still had quite a lot of demons to work through myself as I, you know, just felt very betrayed by God. Like we had given our entire lives to go serve him in a country that tried to eat us alive. And this was how he, you know, paid us back for our faithfulnesses here. You don't have a country to belong to, and now I'm going to take your family from you. So I needed to work through some things, and that took a couple of years. Well, more than a couple. (laughs) It took a handful of years. In the meantime, I was so angry at God for ruining our life that I basically said, I hate you. I want nothing to do with you ever again. And my goal was to get as far away from him as I could, him and my family, because they were a package deal. And so I made some decisions as a young, older teenager to get married to someone who neither of us loved the Lord, neither of us had any desire to follow him. And we had a rough couple of first years based really on my complete self-focus and pursuing goals that were just stupid and self absorbed and then dragging a new husband along in that process. You know, Jocelyn, I mentioned to you, and I say it often to our church family, that one of my spiritual gifts is a terrible memory. And I'm joking on one hand, but on the other hand, I don't remember those kinds of things about the people in our church family. I just I just forget. And, and maybe I actively choose not to remember the kind of things that I might know from someone's past, because I'm so excited about focusing on their present joy and effectiveness in Christ, and even the ongoing struggle, but it's what's happening in the present, and then thinking about the future that 
some of what you just said to me, I had forgotten about, or maybe maybe I never you probably knew. never knew. Yeah, that, that's probably the case. I, I would not have even been aware of that. But what started to turn that around? I'm so glad that I'm not talking to a Jocelyn who is a bitter woman, a woman who hates God, who mm-hmm. has been estranged from her family, wants nothing to do with the church. I mean, what you just described for me is everything that you're not by God's grace today. Thank the Lord, yeah. So, so what happened? So the first thing that happened was... When we came to this area, we were going to a little country church, and the pastor and his wife at that church loved us Mm. like Jesus. I had never seen that kind of Jesus lived out in someone before, especially when we were sent here as a ministry family, really messed up. And to have this family, like their only goal in life was to just pour the love of Jesus on us. And it wasn't even like they chose us as a special project. That was just how they lived. I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen a husband and wife function the way they did or solve problems the way they did. Or just like we were such stupid, idiotic teenagers who had just decided to hitch up for the rest of our life together and do dumb things together. And they just were like, let us love you. Let us come to our house. Let us pour Jesus's love on you. So that was the first thing was being exposed to someone who pursued us with Jesus's love. And then that church that we were a part of, we started seeing that they were headed toward a split and I just could not handle any more drama in my life. And so the only other church I knew about was faith. And I really didn't want to come here because I really wasn't really in a great place with God, but I couldn't not go to church because, you know, it's what we did. Even if I was far from God, it's what we did. So we started coming to faith And little by little, over long periods of time, we just heard the Word of God preached and and taught in ABF, and we went to FCI classes, and we heard that the Bible is practical, and you can apply it, and there's like specific places to apply it. It's not just like some grandiose information that you stuff in your head more, which ultimately just makes you proud. Like Learning awesome stuff about the coolest person in all of the universe makes you feel awesome just because you know stuff about him. But taking the wisdom that he's given us in his word and then seeing like that wisdom that God gave us was designed to make our life filled with his joy. If we don't see him as some cosmic killjoy, this hoarder who has all the good stuff and he's holding it out on everybody because he just wants to flick us around. If we see him as someone who created us to enjoy, And for us to live in his love, then when I read his word, I'm like, oh, this is how to live in his love. This is how to have joy, is to do life the way that he's designed us to live. So we were believers when we arrived at faith, stupid, baby, ignorant believers. (laughs) So we just learned. We listened. We were just like, we would hear something, we'd be blown away. Like one of the first series that I remember we were into attending Faith for a while was the worship series. I don't know if you remember back in the day, I was a music major. My first major was a music major. And I had never heard someone teach on like singing and dancing for the Lord. Blew my (laughs) mind. And so we just stuff like that. Like we would hear, this is how to solve problems. This is how to communicate. This is how to be in a relationship. This is how to have a purpose in life. And then Randomly, people would confront us when they saw us making sinful choices. Like I went over to someone's house one day. I was talking early in our time at Faith, and she was like, oh, honey, oh, honey, we don't talk bad about our husbands in this house. I was like, what do you talk about? I was, I was dumbfounded. Like what else is there to discuss? 
And so she's like, oh, honey, let, let's talk about something different. And so just stuff like that. Like I was like, oh, like this Jesus stuff changes you. And so over time, we learned scripture, absorbed it, and began to live it out. You know, one of the sayings that we have is there's a difference between a church having a counseling ministry and a church being a counseling ministry. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those times where I wish this podcast was actually a video, because when Jocelyn told the story, oh, honey, <laughs> that included a little pat on your arm. Is that right? So yeah, it, was it, a, it was a loving person. That was a confrontation, but that's about as loving as it could. And she didn't say, Jocelyn, you're not to speak that way in this house. She said, oh, we honey. We don't speak that way. And then, and the weird thing that happened was I went home and told Brian about that. And he was like, what? <laughs> he was like, and then they invite, and then they invited us over for dinner and he would have never said yes in the past. And when they invited us over for dinner, he was like, absolutely. I want to go meet these people. Isn't it was like something? irresistible. And yet I, I think if we had asked the woman in the moment, what was that? I don't think she would have said that's a counseling session. That it was, was like backdoor counseling. Yeah, but it was <laughs> like just accidental. Yeah, it was just life. Yeah, it was, just, it was life. just spending some time together. And in that moment, there was an opportunity to bring truth from the word of God into the relationship. That was a stretch for her. I'm sure. And it was also hard for you to receive. And yet it was transformational. Mm-hmm. It was pivotal. So would you agree that even if that particular woman was never going to formally counsel in a counseling center, for her to have some kind of counseling training is really what would have prepared her for that moment. Exactly. And she was trained in counseling. She was actually a missionary wife that was here with her family to receive counseling themselves, which is why we connected, because she knew my story and she said, you need extra love that I can give you because I understand your situation. So she had been trained in counseling, but the context wasn't counseling. It was just life on life. And she saw a moment she had been trained enough using God's word and truth to speak into that moment at that precise situation where I was ready to hear it and then allowed God to do what he wanted with it. Well, and that gives a tremendous amount of hope for all sorts of reasons. What you just said clarified it in my mind, too, because now you're talking about a person who is on the receiving end of help. So she and her family are getting to a better place. Mm-hmm. But you can also help somebody else along the journey. So it's not like you have to have all your no, stuff together no. before you can help someone else. And there's a perfect example of someone mm-hmm. who is being helped but had her arm out and was helping somebody else simultaneously. Yeah, I was actually even thinking that on the way here. Like, I learned stuff on Sunday in church that made me teary-eyed and repentant. So it's not like, oh, I've arrived. There was never a place where Brian and I just got it. Like, little by little, we hear something new from God's Word and impacts us, and we confess our unbelief and actions that proved that we didn't trust God, and then we get on board. Like, we start living his way. So it's not like at some point you have it all together and are thus qualified to speak to other people. We're we're all in the process of growing and changing, and God's word is active, so it's changing us until we go to be with Jesus in heaven, where we will be changed and be glorified. So it's just, it's a never-ending process, which I think is encouraging. Well, it also sounds like there wasn't one big aha moment where there was the 
crisis counseling session where it all came together and everything else <laughs> became easy afterward, it was really much more of a process, of an, an immersive process. Is that what you're saying? Definitely. Definitely. And, and for several years, it was just learning. Like I went through the layperson's counseling class on Monday nights from like five to nine back in 2001. That was when I first, I was like, wow, this counseling is cool. I want to learn more. I, I was done with college and I was in a secular social service agency. And I was like, these answers are not good. Like that they are not helping people. So I wanted to be more trained. And so I was getting training there, but so I was learning little by little as we as we went, and there were some moments where major aha moments happened, but that was actually rare. More growth happened little over time, just day by day as we were exposed to God's Word. Yeah, and so you mentioned sitting in an adult Bible fellowship, which is what we call, and many other churches call, adult Sunday school classes. So let's say that there is an ABF teacher who is listening to this podcast who would think, well, if somebody in my ABF is really bad, I send that person to a counselor. Are you suggesting that it might be helpful for that ABF teacher to receive biblical counseling training? Absolutely. I think the more people that can be trained in the basic truth of biblical counseling, the facts of biblical counseling, how to use God's word effectively, the more equipped that church will be to serve the congregation and the people that come to that church, or the visitors or the, even in their community. So I joke to myself, like, I don't even know how to be a mom without biblical counseling. I'm counseling my children all the time. And so one of the reasons I'm so active in mom to mom is because of that very reason. We need to be equipped. We need to know theology, not just facts about God, but how those facts impact our life in order to train little people who will be the next generation. We have to know how to help them. Like, they're going to have questions, and those questions are going to be hard. They're going to be questions about God that all of us ask, and we have to be equipped to think through them. So like ABF leaders, even small group leaders within ABFs, the mentors in Mentor Mom or in your mentoring ministry, there's just so much value in taking some time and like, you know, creating a block of time where you can get trained and then doing the hard work, reading, studying, listening to the lectures, sitting in on counseling if it's possible, because that training is going to equip you to take moments of opportunity where someone's life path intersects yours in one moment and you have the opportunity to share in that moment how God's word is effective and applicable and could bring them the joy that they're seeking so ardently but apart from God in some way. So do you think an adult Bible fellowship, a Sunday school class, should feel like a counseling session in any way, shape, or form? Well, I mean, in counseling sessions, there's some bearing of your soul that would not be appropriate for ABF because, you know, you need to have some decorum and privacy. But there's taking God's word and learning to effectively apply it to situations is basically what counseling is about. So you realize there's some need that that person has. You understand what God says about it and you help them to understand it for their beliefs to be changed so that they can live out that difference. So... In some effects, all of life is like a counseling session. I feel like with my children, my raising them has been an ongoing counseling session. And I, I used to think at some point it would end, but I'm realizing, you know, as the years go on and as I've had wise counsel from other women, like my relationship with my family is eternal. That's right. It's eternal. And I am privileged to walk through life with them. 
And like, there's going to be good stuff and hard stuff, but at every point there's intersections of our lives with each other where we can have an eternal impact on them. You know, Jocelyn, I'm just wondering about someone who may have had difficulties growing up and chose to continue to hate God and chose to continue to walk away from him in the church. And you've talked about a choice to immerse yourself back in local church life. And I'm hoping and praying that someone will say, well, regardless of how long I've been away from the Lord or away from the church, there's still hope for me. Mm, absolutely. And your story really proves that, doesn't it? Praise the Lord, it does. Yeah. And I think it's possible to allow situations where we've been hurt in the past to really give us the freedom to be bitter about it. Mm. But there is no situation that is not redeemable, yep. either with sin or suffering. And until Jesus Christ comes back and sits on the throne, we're living on this fallen world, and the weight of it is grave. Like, we are going to suffer and we're going to sin. But all of those situations are redeemable if they're handled in a way that believes that God loves us and wants us to live in his love and has given us his word to know how to live, how to solve problems, how to deal with evil, how to, how to make decisions. There's just, we need God's wisdom for life. And so I think one thing that we have to remember is that we are all capable of more wickedness than we think that we are. We like to think that we're all kind of pretty good, but we're really depraved. Like we're really messed up without Jesus and without his redeeming work in our life, we are capable of wickedness that is unbelievable. And so we have to understand our capacity to sin and also see our suffering in a proper light, that the only person who has ever actually unjustly suffered is Jesus Christ when he was murdered so that I would not have to suffer that way. And so while suffering is real and it's the evil that other people can do to somebody else is astounding. And it can have permanently life-altering consequences. Even those experiences are redeemable. And our eyes are on the future when Jesus, our King, comes and makes it all right. So it's not like I have this hope that here on earth it's going to get perfect. But I have this hope that in the future it's going to make sense. And in the meantime, we can be really joyful and really effective. So can you look back at the trajectory of your story and say, I can see how and why a sovereign God allowed that in my life to help make me into the servant that he wants me to be today? Yes, definitely. And it's, you know, the, the scripture says that God comforts us with the comfort that he gives us so That's that right. we have comfort to share with other people. And sometimes you can just like kind of try to have a stiff back and be like, oh yeah, God's doing this to me so I can comfort somebody else. So you don't want to have that prideful view like, oh, God is inflicting this terrible thing on me so that I can be useful for him someday. But the Bible says it's true. God matures us through our suffering so that we love him more, that we are shed of our addiction to this earth and our prideful, you know, just rebellious thought that says I can do this without him. So he allows our perfect measure of suffering to mature us. And then he says, as I've matured you, and as you have grown to love me more through this process, now take this comfort and show other people. And I think all the time about 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, and it says, like, 
when the moment of my conversion, God flung his light into my soul and he quickened me. He made me have life. And then he said, now allow Jesus to be developed in you and then take your Jesus developed life and go beg everybody that you can have any impact with be reconciled to your creator. And God allows what he allows and he is using our redeemed life for a purpose that is supposed to bring his goodness into the lives of those around us. So would you say to anybody listening to this podcast who may have concluded that, well, because of some difficulty in my past, I'm not useful to the Lord today, that that's not true? It's definitely not true. And it is difficult to work through because we can make super stupid choices that really make us feel unfit to ever serve him again. So there's a couple ways to think about it. One is if you're currently living in the habits of sin, by all means, you should take a break and get that figured out because that would be hypocritical and very dishonoring to Jesus if you try to do ministry while also personally sinning. But if you are living a life of authenticity and transparency where your goal is growth and your goal is to love the Lord as you obey him, you're going to have days where it's hard to live as a believer and also hard to accept your past. But that doesn't disqualify you from being useful in the present. And I think there's moments where God can allow our past to be a benefit to other people. And there's stuff in my past I really hate talking about. It's so embarrassing, so yucky. But, and I I don't make it my identity. Like, I don't need you to know all my junk. But there have been times in counseling and in talking to other women that pieces of my story were critical to them. And trusting the Lord to not let them be malicious with my facts, I've been willing to share because it was necessary for them. So yes, it's hard to feel like, wow, this stuff that happened to me just makes me unfit for anything ever useful in the future. But to also say, you know what? God allowed it, and I'm going to let him use my redeemed life however he wants. It's his. He bought it with his blood, and he pulled me from that futile way of living and gave me this awesome life. And so it's his. He can do what he wants with it. So would you encourage anybody listening to receive biblical counseling training if they possibly could? Well, I actually encourage everyone to get biblical counseling training. And we have really great opportunities now, especially in the world of like post-COVID internet availability. There's not really any restriction from time or space. So you can be trained in a lot of ways that you couldn't when I was trained. So I believe that the truths that you can learn in biblical counseling training will equip you to be really effective in a lot of different walks. I personally joke. I don't know how to be a mom without being a counselor. I counsel all the time. Like even last night, my husband and I were talking through a problem that he had at work. And I was like, I wasn't counseling him, but I was sharing truth that was pertinent to that moment. And I probably wouldn't have been bold to do that if I wasn't trained because I knew it was a perfect moment. So I think it's a great tool that helps you to be effective and not afraid in moments of opportunity. Yeah, effective but not afraid because our confidence is in the Lord and in the in his word. And the truth of his word. So Jocelyn, thank you very much for taking the time to tell our listeners your story today. And and friend, if you're wondering more about how to receive that training, you can jump online at faithlafayette.org slash conferences. And I'm so excited, as Jocelyn mentioned, that there's more accessibility to biblical counseling training than ever before. 
If you're a, a woman that's listening to this podcast, let me just say that as a pastor, again, I am so thankful for godly women and the rich impact they have here. And I hope God will use you where he's called you to be that same kind of person. Thank you very much. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Now, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.